Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Welcome back to FOMO Friday. Yes, we love to take Fridays and dispense of your fear of missing out, particularly if you're not listening to propaganda media any longer, by bringing you the stories of the day that you probably should know. And and some of them you may have heard, some of them you may not have heard. But, you know, one of the most frustrating things with getting any kind of information from the propaganda media is what to believe and what not to believe. The reason we call it propaganda media is because they act like a wing of the Democratic Party just spewing their propaganda without any thought into doing any kind of real investigative journalism whatsoever. Now, they are both lazy and in lockstep with leftist politicians. So all they do is just regurgitate what is fed them by the Democratic Party. And, now, and, and I'm not trying to broad brush every single one, but, you know, it gets down to where there really isn't that many out there that are really actually journalists any longer. And I'm reminded of what President Ronald Reagan once said after being asked by a reporter if he was concerned about history not showing the truth. I can't remember the, the specific uh, you know, thing that they were talking about, but he said to them, he, he, he said that he was confident that truth is exposed in history over time. And, and well, that, that seems to be coming true today. Now, in a series of reports by the Daily Wire comes this. Thanks to Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy and Fox News' Tucker Carlson, the report, the record uh, regarding the January 6th Capitol Hill riot has officially changed. Those who have paid attention to the story, and like us, we, we've, we've covered a, a number of different aspects of it right here on the podcast. Um, we've argued that the, the narrative put forth by the House of Representatives January 6th committee and their allies in the legacy media has been largely bogus from the get-go. Now, those skeptics have video footage that appears to back up their claims thanks to Carlson. As a result, the American public and future generations are one step closer to having a full look at all the available evidence and drawing their own conclusions as to what really happened that day. Now, as Speaker of the House, McCarthy chose to, to give Carlson more than 40,000 hours of Capitol footage, uh, security footage, and it was within his complete authority to do so. Uh, he is Speaker of the House. Now, leftist critics warned that doing so would endanger the republic itself. <laughs> Can you imagine? How in the world would that be the case? Some members of the press suddenly woke up and demanded that they, too, be given access to the footage. But, but many, many fretted about the, the conspiracy theories that, uh, that, that, that they think would evolve from releasing this kind of footage. Now, on the first night of its airing, we found several key differences from what Congress depicted 
for the last two years. This is according to Fox News, a uh, Fox News host. Now, uh, contrary to the the official story, the the video evidence allegedly shows that the QAnon shaman guy, uh, you know, with the horns and the paint and all that, uh, was led around the building by police and could have been arrested at any moment. But he wasn't. He, he wasn't rampaging through uh, like some madman or, or whatever, you know, the story was. We know for all fact that Congressman Barry Loudermilk uh, uh, he is a, he's a Republican from Georgia, did not give a tour around the Capitol on January 5th to rioters as alleged. And Senator Josh Hawley, the Republican, uh, was, was not the only senator to run away from the mob. He was just captured doing it alone on security footage. Now, these claims have been discussed for, for more than 24 months now, but it has been just chatter, not necessarily video content. And to paraphrase a quote from investigative journalist James O'Keefe, content is king. Everything else is just gossip. So it seems much of that gossip could be confirmed on security footage with more to come. Until, Until more information is released that debunks Carlson's claims, there's no reason to doubt most of his version of the story thus far. I mean, Carlson's record is certainly more trustworthy than the January 6th committee or any of the, the lapdog journalists who have, re, you know, have reported on, on that day because the uh, inaccuracies of the governments uh, are, are now being exposed and their entire version of the story, which was put forth as entirely factual, must be called into question by those who have, have bought uh, it at face value. So, don't take the, you know, my word for it. Listen to Representative Thomas Massey, he's a Republican from Kentucky. He told Carlson that the clips show, uh, shown have, have altered his own perception of what happened. And guess what? He was there. <laughs> of course, more transparency is still needed. And, and Carlson's opinion and conclusion, you know, based on, on the facts, may not necessarily be the exact truth of what happened either. But ideally, all videos should be released so that we can get to the broader picture of the truth. If you care about sharing accurate information and trusting your fellow man, you should want that. And yet, it doesn't seem like many journalists want that at all. I mean, they could have requested this stuff. They could have wanted uh, you know, and, and demanded that this be brought to light. But in many cases, mainstream media has, has been more than happy to just, like I say, regurgitate the official January 6th narrative rather than dig for answers. Former Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi uh, could have given this footage to NBC, she could have given it to ABC or CBS, but she did not. It it doesn't seem as as if they cared. I mean, the, these media outlets, these propaganda media outlets, did not care. They didn't want the stuff. They didn't even ask for it. So now many of those outlets are you know carrying water for the the powers that be by 
you know, accusing Carlson of being a, a, a pop propagandist. <laughs> I mean, so, you, you know, now that he has the stuff, you know, they're, they're really, they're, they're, they're very much on his case because, oh, he's got the real truth. A- NBC News ran a story, Tucker Carlson, with video provided by Speaker McCarthy, falsely predicts January 6th riot as a peaceful gathering. Well, ABC News couched the story as Capitol Police Chief slams Carlson's comments about January 6th video as offensive and misleading in internal memo. And, and, and as of the, the, the time of this recording, CBS.com, uh, uh, their lead story about uh, Republicans who disagree with Carlson's characterization is up on their website. It, it, you see, it seems no... No other legacy media outlet is is asking why Congress misled the American people. That should be what they're leading with. And that was, you know, Twitter CEO Elon Musk characterized it on, on this matter. For more than two years, this is what they did. That their lack of, of curiosity can only be described as negligence and malfeasance. Now, there is an old quote that journalism is the first draft of history. And in in recent years, journalists have been content with just letting the government, particularly they're they're aligned, uh, you know, when they're they're aligned with the Democratic uh, agenda, have have for the first crack at at the record and, and then just letting it stand with just very few edits. So what they do is they they just they get what they want from their friends on the democratic side and the and the liberal agenda and then they just they throw that out there and then they just let it go and they don't they don't investigate, they don't see if it's true, they don't they don't do anything. Now, because of Carlson and McCarthy, it's time to rip up that draft and start afresh. When future generation generations look back, they won't have to you know, rely purely on left-wing sources of the government narrative. They can point to Carlson's coverage, and and hopefully, the the primary footage themselves should should it be released, and really see that history has changed. Right? I mean, what what is viewed as far as what happened on that day has changed because of actual video footage. And and in the response to this, it was it's it's been kind of interesting. As you've looked at the response to this, former House uh January 6th committee chairman Benny Thompson, he's the Democrat from Mississippi, he claimed on Wednesday that he, that he and other members of the January 6th committee had not had access to all the footage of that day's events, saying that a team of employees had been responsible for going through the videos. So, so here you are, you're the ones on, on, on the committee. And now because you were exposed as being a fraud, a fraud of a committee, a fraud of a chairman. Okay. You were exposed now. you are being exposed and the whole nation sees it. Now you have to try to throw your employees under the bus. <laughs> you know, oh, it wasn't, I didn't get to see the footage. My employees did. And they just, for some reason, didn't bring it to me. I mean, come on, this is ridiculous. And speaking of doing, a, you know, a little investigative work, con- um, conservative publisher David Horowitz deemed 
President Joe Biden guilty of treason in a scathing new column on his frontpagemagazine.com news site. Now, Horowitz, is he's the founder of the David Horowitz Freedom Center and the best-selling author of several books, including Dark Agenda, The War to Destroy Christian America, and I Can't Breathe, How a, uh, a Racial Hoax is Killing America. Uh, t- he takes aim at Biden in a no-holds-barred column entitled, How Should We Regard the President's Treason? Now, in it, he blasts Biden for allowing deadly fentanyl to flow across a porous Mexican border, uh, bungling the, the COVID pandemic, and and by being weak on China, and, and even even uh, botching the pullout of Afghanistan, if we you know can't forget about that. Quote, the list of such cover-ups to protect the, the Chinese communist dictatorship is long and depressing, is what Horace writes in his, in his site, which is published by his, uh, his Freedom Center, by the way. Quote, it includes the White House's stonewalling of congressional efforts to investigate the origins of the pandemic that killed 9 million people globally. It includes similar stonewalling on uh, otherwise uh, uh, blunders like, uh, like the, the, uh, turned Afghanistan and its hapless citizens over to the Taliban and, and China, along with seven multi-billion dollar air bases and tens of thousands of of advanced weapons, and and that made hostages of those who helped us during the the 20-year war. Now, Horowitz points out that nearly as many Americans were perished in in World War II have died in the the last several years from fentanyl um, supplied by China and smuggled into the U.S. by the Mexican uh, cartels. Uh, Quote, these attacks have taken place without America's commander-in-chief issuing a single protest or threat against the governments of Mexico and China, even though his primary responsibility is the protection of American lives. This is what he writes there. The fentanyl from China still hasn't killed as many Americans as COVID-19 virus, which many experts now agree likely came from the lab in Wuhan. Now, Horowitz notes that Beijing lied about the virus's uh, contagiousness and, and uh, lethal uh, ability in, in the early days of the pandemic and, and allowed, it, allowed it to spread around the world. Now, Horowitz uh, laments that even more um, conservative media voices will go no further than wondering aloud whether Joe Biden might be compromised by his influence peddling side business with with uh, with our enemies China and Russia, but you know he assesses that the commander in chief is in in blunt terms a, a traitor. Now Joe Biden he says and his family have made themselves wealthy beyond their dreams by taking millions of dollars in bribes from foreign powers. Chief among them are our mortal enemy communist China. We don't know exactly what American interests the president has betrayed to earn his ill-gotten wealth, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that betrayal is the appropriate verb to describe what he has done. Now, another thing, and, and, 
you know, it, it is kind of interesting when you see it laid out like this, you know, just how, how close to treason, at least that president Biden is. And, and, you know, and this is, these are just a few of the things uh, we could go on and on. And we do, I mean, obviously we cover a lot of this right here on the podcast. And another thing that history will, will not look fondly on is the way that, that we handled um, and reacted to COVID the, the way that that government literally tried to shut every aspect of life down. Uh, it was, it was terrible and unnecessary. The way that they mandated an, an unproven vaccine was immoral. And we are still seeing vestiges even today of it. Novak Djokovic, he, he plays tennis for a living. And you may, you may have heard of him. Uh, he's, he's 35-year-old uh, uh, Siberian, uh, I'm sorry, Serbian, who uh, won 22 Grand Slam titles. So you probably have heard of him, uh, which is a, a feat accomplished only by one other player. Rafael Nardal, uh, who he's, he's also pretty good too, right? <laughs> or at least was anyway. But the administration uh, of, of President Joe Biden um, has, well, forbidden Djokovic from uh, coming to the United States to play, saying that the fact that he refuses to be vaccinated against COVID makes him a deadly risk. Yeah, Djokovic, who has long been um, a a resistant, let's say, to take the vaccine. And at first, it seemed a bit petty to some. Uh, There was a a deadly pandemic, they would say, and and most people felt a sense of of society when they bit the bullet and took the jab. Not, Not everybody, we didn't hear. But now with world-class athletes seemingly dropping dead all around the world, Djokovic, well, he appears to have been correct, <laughs> right? Uh, many of us were, were definitely um, on the right side of history here. And besides, his body and his choice is what the left is usually spouting, right? But not here. He didn't want to put an odd substance into his highly honed athletic body. so. He just didn't. He's not against vaccines. He said in 2020, uh, but but he he does oppose forced vaccination. He said this. He said, quote, the principles of decision making on my body are more important than any title or anything else. But in late 2021, the Associated Association of Tennis Professionals, the ATP, decided he couldn't play in the Austrian Op- uh, Australian Open, which is a, a major that he that he won the year before. And a, and a short time later, he lost the number one ranking that he had held for a record 373 weeks. And due to the U.S. government's forced vaccination policy for non-U.S. citizens, Djokovic was banned from entering the, the United States to play in the 2022 U.S. Open, another major tournament that he was favored to win. That all seems like ages ago now. Most Americans and most of the world, too, have, have moved on, right? I mean, returning to normal life. The COVID pandemic has greatly waned, and for many who get the virus, it's more like the flu nowadays. Yet, 
with nationwide vaccine mandates still in place for foreign travelers, Djokovic has been forced to pull out of the Indian Wells tournament in California. His request for waiver to enter the U.S. without a vaccine was rejected by the Department of Homeland Security. And he was supposed to play in the Miami Open the following week. But his participation in that tournament is up in the air, too. All of this, while the pandemic is over. That's, that's not us saying that. It was Biden who said that. Last September, Biden declared the pandemic over. And we still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Yeah, it's, it's, but, but the pandemic is over. If, if you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in good, in, in pretty good shape. And, and so I, I think it's changing. And I think this is a, a perfect example of it. But Florida Republican Senators Rick Scott and, and Marco Rubio last week urged the, the Biden administration to, intervene so that Djokovic could get into the country to play. The, the pair wrote a letter uh, to Biden saying that Djokovic uh, um, poses no danger to the public. You know, the lack of public health risk, along with the clear benefit of his participation in the event, that will be a major driver of our local economy should make the decision before you simple and serve a um, as a president for others in his position. This is what the, the letter they wrote said. And while hopefully leading to the fully re, full reversal of this mandate for other foreign visitors who wish to legally travel to our great nation, Djokovic is, of course, a high-profile foreigner. But the U.S. Travel Association says that America's outdated vaccine policy for international visitors is an unforced error that is contributing to an $80 billion loss in foreign travelers' spending. Now, Novak Djokovic is merely one of millions of travelers uh, you know, deterred from visiting the United States due to a well-intended but antiquated policy. And it is well past time for the United States to join with its, its peers in Europe, Australia, and elsewhere and remove pandemic vaccine requirements for our international guests. And, you know, some, some needs, someone needs to be held accountable for this, but they will not be because it's an unelected bureaucracy that is responsible for it all. It will only be public pressure that gets things changed. Speaking of public pressure, we have spoken several times on this podcast about Walgreens and, and them getting ready to sell the abortion pill now that the federal government is loosening its restrictions on it. Public pressure on Walgreens appears to have played a big role in them changing their mind. And someone's not happy about it. <laughs> California Governor, uh, Democratic Governor Gal, Galvin Newsom, Gavin Newsom said on Monday his state would cut ties with Walgreens. Oh, no. Following the drugstore's chain's decision not to sell the abortion bill, uh, abortion pills in nearly two dozen states. Quote, California won't be doing business with Walgreens or any company that cowers to the extremists and put women's lives at risk, is what he said. We're done. 
<laughs> a spokes a spokesperson for Newsom uh, further noted that all relationships between Walgreens and California are under review. <laughs> this was according to Reuters anyway. And a Walgreens representative declined uh, to comment on uh, Newsom's tweet, but did share a, a general statement. Uh, he's, he said that, uh, that it's, it, that this, this particular drug that they were wanting to sell is one of two drugs used in medical abortions. Quote, we want to be very clear about what our position has always been. Walgreens plans to dispense, uh, muffle, uh, pristone, which is, um, one of the two drugs that, that they use for, uh, for abortions in any jurisdiction where it is legally permissible to do so. This is what a Walgreens spokesperson said. Once we are certified by the Food and Drug Administration, we will dispense this medication con- consistent with federal and state laws, the spokesman said. Providing legally approved medications to patients is, the pharmacy, uh, is what the pharmacies do and is rooted in our commitment to the communities in which we operate except for the little babies, right? Walgreens, which operates nearly 9,000 retail locations across the United States, told Politico last week that it would not distribute abortion pills in almost two dozen states where the attorney generals threatened legal action over the sale of the abortion pills by by mail uh, in their states. In four of the states, Alaska, Iowa, Kansas, and Montana, uh, abortion remains legal after Supreme Court rulings last summer overturned the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision. However, these largely conservative states have all pushed for more restrictions, and their attorney generals have joined a lawsuit seeking to overturn the Food and Drug Administration's approval of using uh, the uh, the drug for abortions. Now, the uh, Guttmacher Institute, a, a research and policy orga- uh, organization focused on sexual and reproductive health, uh, released an analysis last year that found medical abortions accounted for more than half of all facility-based abortions performed in the United States in 2020. So let's tell you what, let's end on a little bit of a lighter note, right? The attitude of of entitlements with progressive generations has has been growing and it shows its ugly head in very entertaining ways at times tiktok users are fascinated by bare minimum mondays that's what i said bare minimum mondays we're not talking about clothing here it's a trend which encourages um employees to exert a little effort as as little effort as possible on the first day of the work week. Now, Marissa Joe Mays uh, is a TikTok creator based in Phoenix who uh, resigned from her corporate job, joined the phrase, uh, coined, I'm sorry, the, the phrase bare minimum Mondays, which has now garnered more than 2 million views on the platform. Videos posted by Mays, um, who now says she is self-employed, uh, depict the 29-year-old uh, completing various chores around her apartment and listening to the podcast, to podcasts, hopefully this one, before she starts her work day or schedules any meetings. Now, Mays uh, realizes that most people 
with a traditional office job do not have the luxury of delaying the start of their workday or otherwise presenting minimal effort to their employers. And she advises uh, her fo- followers in the corporate world to, quote, remove any wishful thinking tasks from your list and save efforts to overachieve for Tuesday. <laughs> One thing I know, she says, would, uh, would, have to, uh, would have helped me when I was in corporate is to think to myself, where might I be putting unnecessary pressure on myself? She continues interviews by saying, what are you overly stressed about that you just don't need to be stressed about? She says in an interview with the New York Post that the philosophy has completely overhauled her relationship with work and hopes there there are effects um, you know, throughout the economy. It's more of an opportunity for people to start um, untethering themselves from hus- uh, from the hustle culture little by little until corporate America catches up, she comments. The tide is turning, and I feel like employees are 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 tied to you know trading their well-being to perform well at work. Um, yeah, uh, the bare minimum Monday trend drew immediate comparisons to, of course, the quiet quitting and approach to work in which employees refuse to exert more effort than the bare minimum required for their job descriptions uh, or resign from their positions without a two-week's notice. The phenomenon occurred as a prominent uh, technology company, all the the technology companies uh, have all, of course, been laying off people right and left. Um, and, And, you know, it's really interesting to me because you have these people, these young employees that might want to, you know, they might want to rethink this bare minimum Mondays thing, or they may learn another very important lesson or two. And that is like who signs their paychecks, right? Because, you know, it's some of the lessons that were taught at a very young age are just not being taught anymore. And unfortunately, they're having to learn these things as adults, and this kind of seems to be one of them, and it's called a work ethic. Now, you may you may agree with that. You may completely disagree with that. I would love to hear from you on it. And, of course, you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.